Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to another episode of Three and Out, your everything source for college football in the state of Florida. I am Sammy G, and alongside me, as always, is the Doc. Thank you, listeners. Doc, how was your weekend? Sammy G, what's up, man? It was a good weekend. It was uh, it was busy, a lot of games. Uh, it was a good time. Great. Thanks for listening. As always, we want to start off by thanking our sponsor. This week's show is brought to you by none other then Zeno's Boardwalk Sweet Shop. Zeno's has everything from chocolates to homemade ice cream. And let's not forget their world-famous taffy with over 100 flavors on hand. With Christmas right around the corner, what better gift to send friends and family in negative temperatures than some sweets from the beach? Zeno's Factory, located at 2300 South Ridgewood Avenue in South Daytona, Florida. And be sure to go online at www.worldsmostfamoustaffy.com to place your order today. Well... Let's get right into it here, Doc. We got a lot of news coming out of uh, out of uh, the college football scene this week. But first off, let's let's give our listeners the number to call in. They'll be able to call in here anytime. Yeah, their number is uh, 657-383-1684. Perfect. We've been taking calls through the show. And, uh, again, let's dive right in. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of things happening even today. Uh, first, we're, you know, we got to talk about Chip Kelly because that name has been flying around the UF campus, we're told. Uh, Chip Kelly is uh, it has been dormant, I believe, for a few years now in the coaching scene. But what he does bring to a university is a high-powered offense, which we believe that UF is in dire need of uh, to get back to their old ways of winning. What do you think about that, Doc? Yeah, I, I think somebody's going to certainly uh, take Chip Kelly this year. There are going to be a lot of jobs opened up here. You know, Tennessee opened up today. Um, you know, you got to think about some other potential jobs in the SEC. But Chip Kelly is a hot commodity. He's an offensive genius. Um, you know, he's what Scott Frost brought down to UCF, and you see what he's doing down there. So there's no question that uh, Chip Kelly is on a lot of people's shortlist. And Scott Frost, obviously the big name that everybody would love to see move. Uh, we, we've heard a lot about, about uh, Scott Frost and what he's doing in Orlando. In fact, there was an article written by uh, an Orlando sports writer, Mike Bianchi, uh, where he talked about the, uh, the, the, the UCF faithful and alumni trying to give money to the program just to keep Scott around. And in and, and, and the article, it says that the UCF alumni is pretty nervous. They're going to leave. They're going to lose Scott Frost. So, they're, they're trying to do everything they can to keep him around. Uh, and and in, I know in the article also it said, uh, one of the boosters said in five years they'll be able to match any offer from any university in the country. You, you know, that's UCF, yeah, UCF is the biggest uh, undergraduate uh, population or, or undergraduate enrollment in the country, I believe. So they have a lot of alumni. Um, you know, it's a big, uh, big city in Orlando. 
Um, I'm surprised they're not filling up the stadium more with, with the kind of success they're having. Um, so I think if the fan base wants to keep Scott Frost, they need to show, uh, you know, show show the team that they want they want him there. Um, you know, but I was I was curious, interesting to see that there's a quote from Scott Frost, and I don't know for sure if he said this or not, uh, calling Orlando the the best college town uh, in the state of Florida, which I think would get a quite a bit of argument from people in Gainesville, Tallahassee, and even Coral Gables for sure. <laughs> no doubt about it. When you think college football, you don't think of Orlando as a hotbed for college athletics. Uh, but what he's doing over there, he's really changing the culture in, in Orlando there. And uh, I would like to see him stay personally just because I, I would like to see a guy like that who's doing so well kind of take his legacy to the next level, kind of stay at one place and build a program and just be a dominant force for years to come. But like you said, Doc, uh, I was at the game on Saturday and, and the stadium was half full. You got the number, one of the top teams in the country playing and, and there's a 42,000 seat stadium and only 28 in attendance, 28,000 in attendance. Uh, that's not going to cut it. You're going to have, you're going to have to put butts in the seats there. You know, I, I would say that uh, the listeners of this radio station have the, uh, this radio show, sorry, have the advantage of, of talking to somebody who actually scouts these players and you were there scouting the game and you scouted UCF several times this year. What, tell me what you think about the offense. It's a pretty prolific, high-powered offense. I think the quote you said to me is, somebody is always open. So maybe give the listeners a little thought process on, on what they do there and how they utilize the talent that they have. Well, the biggest thing that they do, Doc, is they, they tire guys out. I mean, they run a, a pretty fast offense. They're, they're, after the play's over, they're at the line of scrimmage within three seconds. So they're, they, they don't give defenses the time to adjust or make, make substitutions. I mean, they're just wearing you down. And I like, and I, and when I told you earlier, there is a guy always open on that offense. It's just a matter of if the, if the quarterback's going to find him, which he does pretty regularly. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the country, uh, especially when it comes to efficiency. So their offense is just high-powered. I mean, there, there's always receivers. There's rarely a guy in the backfield. If he is, he's, sometimes he'll take a handoff at Adrian Killens. Sometimes he'll run out in the flat and catch balls. I mean, it, it's just a high-prolific offense. It's so much fun to watch. You know, any kid who's who, who's getting recruited by, by Scott Frost and UCF should really take a look at what they're doing and watch them play because it's fun. Everybody touches the ball, and, and it's just a great offense to be around. You know, I started doing some reading about Chip Kelly, given you know, the fact that his name obviously is floating around everywhere. And it's interesting, he started his career as a defensive coach and a defensive coordinator in smaller schools uh, in New Hampshire. And then he came back as, as actually the offensive coordinator at New Hampshire. And he designed his offense based on what he knew from a defensive perspective that was very hard to cover. So he knew that unbalanced lines and he knew that knew that tempo made it very, very difficult for the defense to cover. Um, so that's what he designed is, is an unbalanced offense, uh, multiple tight end sets, and then, and then a tempo, a speed, no substitutions. If you watch the old Oregon videos um, from, from the, you know, their, their run of the BCS, they did not substitute on the offensive side of the ball. And when you don't substitute and you run tempo, then you prevent the defense from substituting. So as you said, right. fatigue, fatigue sets in and then allows them to be very successful, and that's what these guys are doing. 100%. And you couldn't – I mean, he, he – Chip Kelly obviously was knew what he was doing because when you watch this team play, you see guys on defense, they're gassed. 
I mean, they have had enough by the time that the fourth or fifth play is running the series. And guys have got their hands on their heads. Some are leaning over, feet are crossed. I mean, it's just, they're just doing a lot of stuff over there. And, uh, again, you know, I know the Florida Gators are looking for him to come in. Uh, you know, obviously right now they got uh, Randy Shannon there. Um, and I hate to do this because I like Randy Shannon. But, you know, I think he's getting an unfair play now just based on the fact that he took over a program that's busted, I guess, for lack of better terms. He's, he's you know, they're not really going to give him a shot, unfortunately, I don't think, uh, which is unfortunate because I believe that Randy can get things done. He's been in the state of Florida for quite some time. Uh, he can recruit guys and people would want to come play for him. Um, but right now as a head coach, again, he took over a program that was so defunct, you know, we kind of it kind of makes him look bad in a sense because I don't know that he's going to get another win the rest of the season here. Um, And and that's unfortunate for him. And and, and I hope that he sticks around because I think he's a good defensive coach. And I know you do too. Yeah. From all, from all, uh, everyone involved uh, that's coached with him or been around him have always said how great of a guy he is. You know, obviously he's, uh, he's tried to hold together a very tough situation. You know, Florida's uh, had a lot of uh, injuries and suspensions and and whatnot. And and I think the players, from what I hear, respect him, and uh, you know he's just—he's a good guy. From all all, all uh, stories about him, and, and I wish him wish him the best uh, in the future. And certainly, as far as recruiting the state of Florida, very very hard to uh, compete with him as as he's been around the state for a long time. Well, I know you watch a lot of football, Doc, and I'm sure you watch uh, I'm sure you watch a lot of ESPN. Would that be a fair assessment? Uh, that is a fair assessment. Yes. <laughs> well. We would be in trouble if we didn't mention that last night on ESPN's top plays, the number six play, uh, switching gears here, was by our own West Florida uh, wide receiver, Rodney Coates. He had a one-handed catch in the end zone uh, for a touchdown that went viral on Saturday. Sports Center picked it up and made it one of their top ten. This kid looked like uh, Odell Beckham Jr. in the end zone yesterday, and that's great coming from a small Florida school, uh, Division II school like West Florida. And we're we're always here to promote those kids, and congratulations to them. Yeah, it's great. It's great for the, uh, the smaller schools to get get recognition, and certainly with uh, Odell Beckham out with a uh, with an ankle fracture and ankle surgery, uh, we need uh, as many highlight films as we can get from uh, from everyone. So it's great to see that. No doubt about it. Once again, you're listening to an episode of Three and Out on Block Talk Radio with Sammy G and the Doc. Uh, guys, we'll be taking call-ins here. Doc, you want to give that number to the fans here and to the listeners? Yep, it is a 657-383-1684. Beautiful. And please feel free to call in. Uh, we had a lot of games last week, Doc. We picked a lot of a lot of winners, a lot of losers, of course, and we'll jump right into our recaps just like always. Uh, first on the docket here is the University of Florida went to South Carolina. Uh, they gave it a valiant effort, but they came up short, uh, losing 28-20 to to the Gamecocks. Uh, Doc, what did you see when you watched that game? And from what I saw, it looked like they fought a little harder this week than last week. Yeah, you know, I, I, again, you know, they've, they've got a lot of a lot of people out for various reasons, and I, I think that at the end of the day, they the kids didn't give up and they fought hard, and I, and I think there's got to be some semblance of of pride in that for for everyone involved. And again, we're just you know, the goal at this point is to get as much experience for the younger guys and, and then try to get things squared away for next season. I mean. They still have a shot of making a bowl game if they win the next two games. So there's always some 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 goals to keep to keep shooting for. But yeah, I think you got to take some pride in uh, their ability to to try to hang and and then and obviously with the goal of getting experience for next season. 
And you got a relatively young team there in Gainesville as well. So, I mean, there there are things to play for. I mean, there's momentum to play for going into next season. Uh, you never you don't know who's going to come in and be your leader. Uh, but for the players, I mean, like you said, there's something to play for. you got a very young team. Uh, and, and it just bodes well for the confidence going into next season, but I think, by finishing out strong. Uh, I believe you got a couple games left. I think uh, I think Florida has UAB next week um, and then Florida State the following weekend. So there's two games left, and if they can pull a win out of one of those, I think it's a win for the program and a win for those kids moving forward. Yeah, yeah uh, no, no question, no question. Uh, next on the on the list here, we got to talk about Miami, uh, Notre Dame at Miami. Uh, Miami just trounced Notre Dame in this game. It wasn't even close from the outset. Uh, Miami just rolled all over them. Our player spotlight uh, last week, Braxton Berrios opened up the scoring with a touchdown reception. Uh, that kid's just unbelievable. I can't wait to watch him play on Sunday. Uh, but Notre Dame, they didn't even look like they belonged on the field uh, with the Miami Hurricanes yesterday. Uh, there were so many. I don't know if you watched the game, Doc, but there were so many Miami alumni everywhere. Ed Reed was on the sideline. Clinton Portis and Andre Johnson were in the booth. I, I mean, there was just so many people there. It was a great atmosphere. Uh, and, again, Miami Hurricanes came away with a 41-8 victory over then no, number three Notre Dame. Uh, what did you think about Notre Dame? Did you, did you think that they belong at number three at that point, or, or were they just another team on the schedule for the for the Hurricanes? Well, I think Notre Dame, I mean, obviously they, they've had a pretty good season thus far, but, but they've also been uh, the recipient of a lot of brand recognition. You know, the name Notre Dame carries a lot of weight, and then, in Polster's mind, move that moves you up quite a bit. So, you know, I and obviously they were playing off the fact that their only loss was to Georgia, who obviously got smoked as well this week. So I think there's a lot of um, a lot of people out there that maybe mis uh, kind of misrepresented what they felt these teams were, and, and obviously uh, Notre Dame uh, showed that it was not deserving of that high of a ranking. Uh, yeah, I would have to agree there. Uh, you know, again with Georgia getting pounced as well. Uh, and them losing to Georgia, maybe it takes you back to, uh, I mean, did they really have a tough schedule? I, I don't know. Uh, you know, they played USC, but USC is not the USC that everyone thought they were going to be. In fact, I, 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 I don't know that they're that great of a team as well. And then when they went down here to South Florida, I mean, they saw what a real team was. And these, these guys were fast. They were physical from the get-go. And, and I don't think Notre Dame had a shot, to be honest with you. After the first series, it, they didn't have a shot. Yeah, you know, one of my one of my pet peeves is is the preseason ranking, and it's kind of a a necessary evil because you got to kind of lay things out going into the season. But but the, the the preseason rankings have such a bearing on where teams end up being ranked in the middle and the end of the season that it just doesn't seem right. Um, but Miami was unranked before the season. Notre Dame was ranked highly, and then and what you saw was a, a mismatch. But but obviously the preseason rankings kind of dictated where they were, but, uh, yeah, Miami really uh, played well and that place was rocking and, you know, and, and, and it was, uh, seemed like a pretty good scene there for sure. Well, it just also goes to show how flawed I think the preseason ranking is. Uh, you know, you got a team like Miami who was not even ranked to start the season. And if, if you don't think Miami is the top two best team in the country, I, I, I don't think you're watching college football. Uh, I don't know how they could be unranked coming in, to be honest with you. Moving right along, Doc, let's move on. Uh, we got Florida State was at Clemson, number four Clemson. Uh, Florida State lost this one 31-14, uh, but the, the score was not indicative of the performance. Uh, I truly believe 
that Florida State had an opportunity not only to win this game, but or to be in this game, but also to win the game. Uh, fourth quarter, they were down by three, and just turnovers and mental errors by a young FSU team caused the demise of them. And I, they, they didn't. The, the loss was 31 to 14, but it was a lot closer than that. Clemson just got them, you know, got them when they were down, and made, you know, they made some mental errors. Florida State, and they caused a, a bad victory. You watch that game at all, Doc? Yeah, I did. I, I certainly watched the second half, and as they were uh, making a comeback, uh, Florida State was getting close, and then Clemson had a big run there to kind of seal the deal. Um, but they kept it closer than I thought they did. For, um, you know, and what this does is it sets up a, uh, a a matchup in the ACC championship for for basically a playing game now between Clemson and Miami. That basically a loser go home match, and, and the winner of that will will. Assuming that the re- they play out the rest of the season um, undefeated, uh, the winner of that game is going to be a shoe-in for the uh, Final Four. Then the other person may be on the outside looking in, or they still could be in the mix. It's, it's hard to say. And, and I was just going to ask you, Doc, do you think it's possible that even if one of those teams loses, they can still get into the top four? You know, uh, for me personally, I, I, I'm a big fan of chaos, and, and I think there's a high potential of chaos occurring at the end of the season because you end up with a potentially 12 and one Alabama, 12 and one Georgia, um, you know, uh, Miami, uh, Miami, Clemson, one of them being one loss teams. You get Oklahoma as a one loss team, you know. Then then you start to get into the the nitpicking of schedule and strength of schedule and all these things. And for me personally, I like chaos. I would love to see an eight team. Uh, playoff system in the near future and, and so I love having chaos uh, with the current system that would maybe force their hand uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm not a fan i got to be honest of the four-team playoff uh, I've always said that I, I believe that conference winners should go into a playoff. If you win your conference, you should go into a playoff. This way there's no doubt that a team like UCF who's going to walk away with their conference uh, could get matched up against an Ohio State or a Miami, or a, you know, Clemson, and then show what they're really made of instead of just assuming because of their schedule they're not good enough to beat those teams. Uh, I, I've become a huge UCF fan. I, I'll be the first to tell you I've jumped on the bandwagon here, uh, and maybe just because I, I should. it's 45 minutes from my home and I should like them. Um, but I, I think UCF is going to get the shaft in this whole thing, uh, and they can't control, you know, who's on the schedule, unfortunately. So uh, all they can do, and Scott Frost said it, he goes, all I can do is go out there and win the game. I, I can't, I, I have no, you know, I have no control over who we're playing. I just go out there and w- beat whoever we what we're supposed to beat. So uh, that being said, let's talk about this UConn-UCF uh, game. I was actually at the game uh, at UCF here. It was a 49-24 win. Uh, the 24 points, I think, were just kind of like, hey, here's here's some points, UConn. Uh, they were really never in the game. UCF started off fast and furious again. Uh, like Adrian Killens uh, and Trey Quan Smith, these guys are just exploding all over the field. They're they're probably two of the best players in the country. If if Adrian Killens isn't one of the fastest players in the country, then I don't know who's fast because this kid's like lightning. Um, it, it's good to see him doing well. Uh, their offense is just high potent. Uh, and there's no stopping them, to be honest with you. I, I have not seen anybody stop these guys. Their defense is good. It's not great, uh, but they're doing enough to, to keep points not on the board. Uh, but when you're scoring, you're averaging 49 points a game, Doc, it's okay to give up 20 points a game, you know. So, you know, I always said the, the winner at the end has the most points. So, that being said, yeah. it's usually easy enough. Yeah, I mean, no, no question. These high-powered offenses are always fun to watch. If you look back to – 
you know, the fun and gun offense was Spurrier, obviously Oregon's offense. Um, you know, the uh, those are fun to watch, and 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 UCF has, has done done a very good job. And and I, you know, unfortunately, precedent is is that they're not going to really they'll be on the outside looking in more than likely. Um, but definitely, if you had an eight-team playoff, you get the five major conference champions or automatic shoe-ins, and you got three wild cards. And I, I would put in some wording where that if you have a, a mid-major uh, conference champion that's ranked in the top 15, that they should be an automatic um, automatic uh, addition to the uh, the playoffs. Um, because a team like UCF, uh, you know, the way they're playing right now, I think it's hard to argue. Um, they, at least, they, they, they at least need a shot to, to show what they can do. If you look at in the history of the past, you know, UCF made the Fiesta Bowl. I believe they won that game. And remember, Boise State made the Fiesta Bowl, uh, I think it was about 10 years ago, and then they beat Oklahoma. So these schools can get in and they and, and they can win. So I think they deserve an opportunity in certain uh, in certain years. I would agree with that. And, and hopefully, you know, as, as they keep being successful, you know, hopefully some other bigger teams want to jump on the schedule so we can, according to the sports writers, they can see how good they really are. Uh, moving forward, uh, USF doc was off last week, uh, and let's move in or let's move on. Excuse me. Uh, FAU played uh, Louisiana Tech. I took Louisiana Tech in that game because of Tim Rattay, and uh, one of our buddies is a huge Tim Rattay fan. I was not right on that one. You you took the Mighty Lane Kiffins and they won 48 to 23. Uh, Old Dominion 37. Uh, they they beat FIU 37 to 30. Uh, in a pretty big fight. Uh, next week, they have the big uh, Shula Bowl between FAU and FIU. Uh, I know that you took FIU. Actually, we both took FIU to win that game, um, and, and we both lost on that one, And as did FIU. Uh, Bethune-Cookman, 13, and uh, North Carolina Central, 10. And I watched this game, and the Cookman, the mighty Cookmaners here, won this game on a Hail Mary with less than five seconds to go. In fact, there was four seconds on the clock. And let me set it up for you, Doc. You remember the Georgia-Tennessee game last year? Georgia scores with about 14 seconds left. They have a they have an unsportsmanlike celebration penalty in the end zone, moving the kickoff up 15 yards, which essentially gave the the ball to Tennessee around the 40-yard line, and they end up throwing the Hail Mary to win. Yeah, remember, remember that game last year? Okay, well, fast forward, fast forward one year. Bethune-Cookman gets scored on by North Carolina Central with eight seconds to go. They get a celebration penalty in the end zone, moving the kickoff up 15 yards. The ball gets kicked. They take it up to the 40. The very next play, they throw a Hail Mary and win. Well, I'm, so, sure, there, I'm, I'm sure there were some parties down there uh, off of uh, uh, International Speedway Drive there uh, after that one because, uh, you know, it's always good for the hometown team to pull one off like that. Uh, what a great win for them. I couldn't be more excited for Bethune-Cookman. Uh, you know, it's a great way not only just to get a win, obviously, but – to get it in the last second when you just basically take the air out of the entire stadium when they thought they were going to win with four seconds to go, you know, then you get those faces of shock all through the stadium and congrats to Bethune Cookman uh, for, for pulling out the win there. Uh, FAMU was off last week. Uh, so we don't have anything from them. Florida tech uh, ended their season at Delta state with a loss 42 to 20 uh, West Florida, who we mentioned earlier, who had a uh, top 10 ESPN play, uh, they actually ended their season at West Georgia with a win, 34-29. to Stetson went to Jacksonville. What a great game we had here in Jacksonville as well. Stetson had the ball in the one-yard line 
with seven seconds on the clock and decided not to go for the field goal to tie the game, but they wanted to go for the win. The play gets called, ball's thrown, a defender comes up from Jacksonville University, stopped the receiver on the one-yard line to preserve the 13-10 win for the Dolphins. Great win for them, and I'm sure that was a great game to watch, uh, especially with an, an ending like that. Uh, good to see things happening for JU, and they ended up with a winning season uh, this year. Uh, Warner University, Doc, 14. Weber International, 18. Uh, two Florida teams going at it last week, uh, or excuse me, yesterday. Uh, Weber International comes out with the win. Ave Maria at South number thirteen, excuse me, number twelve, Southeastern University in the NAIA. Uh, Ave Maria, uh, two Florida teams again. Uh, unfortunately, didn't score a point, and Southeastern University scored all of them, so they won sixty-five to nothing. And uh, finally, uh, Ed Waters uh, went to Faulkner University, and uh, they they lost as well, forty-nine to three at Faulkner University. Uh, once again, you're listening to an episode of Three and Out on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Sammy G, alongside the doc, as always. Let's give a quick shout-out to our sponsor. Uh, this show here today is brought to you by Zeno's Boardwalk, excuse me, Boardwalk Sweet Shop. Zeno's has everything from chocolate to homemade ice cream. And let's not forget about the world-famous taffy with over 100 flavors on hand. With Christmas right around the corner, what better gift to send your friends and family in negative temperatures then Sweets from the Beach. Zeno's factory is located at 2300 South Ridgewood Avenue in South Daytona Beach, Florida. And be sure to go online at www.worldsmostfamoustaffy.com to place your order today. Doc, have you been, to, I know we talked about it before, have you had any of the treats from Zeno's Sweet Shop? Have you had yeah, anything? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I have. I, we, I love getting the, the bag of the, the saltwater taffy and then using the the little uh, key or whatever it's called, the guide to figure out which is which. Um, but yeah, we, we love going there. It's great. The ice cream is great. Homemade ice cream. Um, you know, they, they do, they do a very good job with all their, all their chocolates and everything. So uh, it's definitely worth a, uh, a look if you're on main street on the beach side, or if you're over there by the world famous sunshine state mall, I believe it's called. Sunshine um, Park mall. Yeah, it's right, yeah. right there. It's, it's, it's the flagship store right there in the sunshine park mall. <laughs> It's the flagship. <laughs> it is the flagship store. Folks, the lines are open. Feel free to give us a call at 657-383-1684. We can talk anything football in the state of Florida. Uh, if you have any questions for myself or the doc, please feel free to give us a call. Uh, let's move forward, doc. we got a full week of games coming up here, uh, some big matchups coming up. Uh, a lot of the seasons have ended uh, already, so we're going to have a lighter schedule than normal. Uh, but let's get into uh, making some of our predictions here. We didn't do too too bad last week. Uh, I believe we went, if, I to, if I'm not mistaken, I believe we went 10 and 5 last week, Doc. Yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good numbers. Now, obviously, we're not yeah. we're not talking about the spread, but but that's those are pretty good yeah, numbers. Just picking horses. All we do is pick horses here. That's all we're doing here. So feel free to give us a call again. The number is 657 383 one six eight four. We'd be here to talk about anything college football in the state of Florida, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. A lot of things happening today. I know Butch Jones was fired with Tennessee. Uh, I know that Chip Kelly is uh, his name's been swirling around. So uh, we're going to talk about about that coming up. Also, uh, we got some matchups here coming up for you, and uh, we'd love to talk about those as well. All right now, Doc, you with me? We got a recap of games coming up here. 
let's see here. So start the games off this week. We're going to start with uh, we got to start with Miami. Obviously, they're the best team in Florida, or, or they're tied for the best team in Florida. Uh, Virginia is going to be at Miami this week. Uh, Virginia started off the season pretty well, and uh, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. You never know which Virginia team is going to show up, uh, but they're definitely going to have a have a tough time against Miami. Miami's hitting on all cylinders right now. But I will tell you this, Virginia is a team that does give Florida schools fits. And I know that Florida State, they had an opportunity to win a national title a while back, and they had Virginia come to them on a Thursday night. And Virginia, I believe that was the year that Tiki Barber was there. And uh, Virginia came in and beat the Knowles. Do you remember that Remember that game, Doc? I, I do remember that. It's a great call bringing up Tiki Barber. Um, you know, but I, I don't see any Tiki Barbers coming through the door in Charlottesville uh, at this point. So uh, I think uh, Hurricanes uh, certainly got this one uh, pretty soundly. I would have to agree with that for sure. Uh, moving on. Uh, oh, I, I think you're, you're going to hear a lot of this in South Florida here. Well, <laughs> hurricane warning. That's it. That's going to keep playing, too. I have a feeling for that. So why, why don't we take a call here? Uh, Sammy G, sure. we got a call here from uh, the Daytona Beach area code. And hello, hello, caller. What's your name? Hello. Looks like we're Anybody? not the caller. All right. Well, there you go. We'll have to give them a try back. All right. All right let's return. Let's return to our, our predictions here. Yeah, let's move. So, who do you got? We got Virginia at Miami. You're going to take the Hurricanes, obviously, as as am I. Uh, Miami is nine and zero right now. I don't see them losing this game. Uh, so let's figure out what's going on uh, with Miami. I, I don't see them losing another game, Doc. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think Miami's uh, certainly is is looking pretty good shape going into the ACC title game. No question. Great. All right, moving forward, UCF at Temple. Uh, UCF going to Philadelphia to play the Owls. Uh, Temple was good at one point, uh, but they have struggled as of late. Uh, they are going to be going up to a cold weather city. It could play a, could play a part uh, in UCF's mental psyche. I don't know that it will because uh, UCF is just going to go and just walk all over everybody. But uh, I'm going to take the UCF Knights in this game. Uh, I just don't think they're going to be stopped at all. Uh, they're gonna, they're gonna. But I will tell you this: there, there might be, an, they might be overlooking Temple and looking ahead to the USF uh, next week. So you never know. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with UCF in this one. Yeah, I think this is a classic, uh, you know, catch 'em game in the sense that um, Temple has got a, uh, a very defensive-minded um, head coach and Jeff Collins used to be a defensive coordinator at University of Florida for two years. Um, you know, so they they could certainly give them some trouble. I, I still think UCF's going to win, but um, this one could be close. Sure, no doubt about that. Uh, next week, also, uh, we have UAB, which I mentioned, goes to uh, to Gainesville to face the boys uh, in blue and orange. Uh, right now, Florida is sitting at three and six on the year. Um, you know, they, they they've got a lot of work to do in Gainesville. Uh, they get to go home. They've been on the road for the last two weeks since Randy Shannon took over. Uh, so they do get a little bit of a home crowd, and hopefully that will help them a bit. Um, but I just think that – I mean, it's UAB. UAB is pretty good. I would love to see Florida get a win for Randy Shannon. I'm going to take the Gators in this one. 
You know, UAB's had a very good game. I think they're bowl eligible. You know, two years ago they didn't even have a team. So you got to respect uh, uh, how they've uh, recovered from that whole incident. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I think uh, Florida's due. They're at home for the first time in about three or four weeks, um, and, and they're due to win. And, again, from what I hear, the players love Randy Shannon. So I'm going to go Florida as well. Good call. Uh, also, Delaware State at FSU. Uh, normally, we would say that this is a walkover game for Florida State, but sitting at three and six, I don't know that they have an easy an easy game on the schedule. Uh, I'm going to guess that they're going to out athlete Delaware State um, because I, I don't know that Delaware State has the athletes to play with them. Uh, but I, I'm going to take Florida State in this, and, and I think they're going to beat them pretty handily. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was about to give you a uh, Joe Flacco uh, reference, but he was actually University of Delaware and not Delaware State. So I don't know any players who have come from Delaware State. So I'm going to go Florida State as well with this one. And I think at this point, why don't we take a chance and and go to a caller. Um, And uh, Hello, caller. Who's this? Boys, this is T-Bone from T-Town, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. How y'all doing tonight? Tuscaloosa on the line. Boys, I found your podcast, and I've enjoyed the first few shows, but but let me get this straight. How can y'all have a talk show about college football and not mention the great state of Alabama? Roll damn high. (laughs) If you're not going to discuss Alabama, listen to me, boys. If you're not going to discuss Alabama, you might as well talk about high school football the way these Florida schools are playing. Florida and Florida (laughs) State are making Auburn look like the goddamn New York Jets. And I don't mean the New York Jets for now. I'm talking about, boys, I'm being serious. I'm talking about the New York Jets from when Joe Namath took them to the promised land and won the Super Bowl. And let me ask you something, boys. Where did Joe Namath go to school? Y'all know Alabama. That? Alabama. Roll damn tide. Roll damn tide. And let me get this right, boys. I bet you're both thinking, what about Miami? What about Miami? What about Miami? I've got one word, six syllables for you. Antonio Langham. Remember that Sugar Bowl, boys? Roll damn tide. <laughs> you see those boys on Miami defense putting chains on each other? Chains, boys? General Robert E. Lee is dancing and smiling in his grave, boys. Roll damn tide. Woo! Shout out to the Hinkle boy Rick Flair and his 30 for 30. And that's for you to yes. Please, boys. My wife has Highland Idol sis older than that school's football program. They ain't even in the conversation. Now, 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 because I admire what you boys are trying to do. Boys. Boys. Now, yes, what sir. I, well, I admire what you boys are trying to do. I'll play your game and ask you a question relating to <laughs> college football in the state of Florida. <laughs> well, who the Gators going to get as a coach? That's a great question. Uh, we can't all be blessed with a Nick Saban or even a Gene Stallings of Alabama. Uh, but uh, Florida right now, the name is circling. Obviously, Chip Kelly, we spoke a little bit about. Uh, it, it's up in the air at this point. Chip Kelly? Is that what you said, Chip Kelly? That boy that That's... lost to Auburn State <laughs> Community College for the national championship? Taken to the Paul Feinbaum show here all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. that was T Bone. He's very passionate about his Alabama, uh, his, his role tied there in Alabama. Uh, but to answer his question, like we said, we're, 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 there's names circling all over the place for him for the University of Florida. Uh, Chip Kelly, obviously, is a, is a name that's been circling around. 
Uh, we talked about uh, Norvell from Memphis, uh, who, who, who we talked about earlier would think would be actually a better fit at Tennessee based on the fact that he's been in the state of Tennessee for the last few years recruiting, uh, so he knows how to recruit the area. Uh, but like you said, Doc, they got to have a guy that's going to come in there and change the culture, put points on the board, and give a show to the fans. Yeah, I think I think Tebow is still having uh, trying to get over his PTSD from that uh, almost getting beat by Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State should have beat them, um, but they they elected to, to play it safe and not uh, not not go for the win. Instead, play for overtime and let Saban pull out the win. But um, I'm sure Tebow was uh, was was shaking in his uh, his waiters. Uh, at that point, I would agree with that. All right, let's move back to our to our predictions here. Uh, Tulsa's traveling to USF for a Thursday night matchup. Uh, you know, I always say this about USF. These guys are ranked in. The, I think they were 17th or 18th, Doc. Uh, they lose one game and they're out of the top 25. I, I just don't know how that happens. Uh, there, there's three three lost teams in the top 25, and USF has one loss. They lose one game against a tough at Houston, uh, and they and they drop all the way out of it. It used to be that the, we, the war on I-4 between USF and UCF, we thought all year was going to be the best game in, in college football uh, this year, but the pollsters really took the, the wind out of that sail when they took USF out of the top 25, although I still think it's not going to be a walkover. Uh, for the UCF guys, uh, the UCF Knights. I think it's going to be a tough matchup coming up. Obviously, that's in two weeks. Uh, but UCF or USF not getting the respect they're due. I'm going to take USF in this game uh, and to trounce Tulsa. You know, Charlie Strong has, has done a good job there. Um, you know, I, I think they've recruited well. Um, and, and certainly Tulsa is not a very good team. So, I, I agree. This is USF all the way. 100%. Uh, moving forward, we got FIU at FAU, the rivalry game known as the Shula Bowl, uh, with FA, FIU excuse me, losing to Old Dominion this week. Kind of took, again, took the wind out of this one as well. And this is more of a pr- for pride game now uh, between FIU and FAU. I'm going to jump on you, jump on your prediction, Coach, and our uh, Doc, and I'm just going to say that I, I'm going to go with Coach Kiffin and the fighting, uh, the fighting Lane Kiffins here at the FAU to win this game uh, over FIU. Yeah, you know, yeah, Lane Kiffin is, is also somebody who's going to be on a lot of uh, a lot of short lists here coming up in the, the either this year or next year. He's got Kendall Bryles, who Art Bryles' son, as the offensive coordinator, and they're running their own kind of brand of warp speed offense, they call it, and uh, doing doing a very good job. They're they are also setting some records uh, offensively, certainly at that school and also in their conference. Uh, FIU, I have some relationship with back in my days. Uh, you know, and I had some friends down there that took to take care of the team. Um, you know, T.Y. Hilton went there. Uh, Jonathan Cyprian went there. So they got some players, some NFL talent from back in the day. Unfortunately, they lost last week to Old Dominion to take away a little bit of luster here. But uh, I think the offense on the FAU's offense is going to be too much to handle. I'm going to go FAU as well. Indeed. Uh, next on the list here, Bethune-Cookman at, F- at FAMU. Excuse me. Uh, you can throw the records out of this game, uh, Doc. Six and four BCU goes to uh, to to play. They're actually they're going to the host team at, at FAMU, uh, a three and eight FAMU. This team is at the uh, Camping World Stadium in Orlando every year. This is known as the classic uh, in the HBCU. Um, BCU, w- whenever they face FAMU, it doesn't matter what the records are. 
this is going to be an epic battle, uh, not only uh, with the football teams, but at the halftime show when the bands go at it. I don't know if you've ever been to this classic or not, uh, but the, one of the most famous things about the classic uh, are the bands that play at halftime because the two best bands in all of college football, uh, the Wildcats and, uh, and the Rattlers from FAMU, they just they put on a phenomenal show. Uh, I'm going to take the, our hometown, Cookman, uh, between Cookman Wildcats and the win on this one. Um, I know, uh, FAMU, anybody can win. They're just not that good this year. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and take BCU in this one. Yeah, this one, this one's always exciting. As you mentioned, I have not been to this game, but I've heard about the, the battle of the bands and it can be quite, quite a show. Um, but I, again, I'm going to, I'm going to stay true to the home, the hometown team and, and go with uh, Bethune Cookman as well. Uh, number, uh, JU, Jacksonville University Dolphins, they travel to Drake. Uh, the 7-3 JU is on a three- or four-game win streak right now. Uh, I'm going to take JU in this one as well. Yeah, I, I think JU is on, the, on, the, on the, the cusp of getting into the playoffs. This game yeah. actually may be a playoff game, um, you know, but uh, local team, uh, Kerwin Bell uh, from, from Florida, uh, used to be the head coach. I don't think he still is, but there's a connection there to the University of Florida. So I'm going to go JU as well. Excellent. And a lot of our teams here have finished their seasons. Um, we, I'm sorry, Duck, we got one more game. I apologize. We got number 12, Southeastern University. Uh, they ended the season, regular season, with an 8-1 and record right now. And uh, they haven't had their their, uh, their playoff game announced, but they're actually headed to the NAIA National Playoffs. Uh, so congratulations to Southeastern University on that um, as well. Uh, Edward Waters, uh, they're traveling to Alabama State. Uh, Edward Waters, two-win season, excuse me, three-win season this year. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to play with Alabama State. I'm going to take Alabama State in this one. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure of anybody in either team, although um, who was the guy from Florida that ended up at Alabama State that's now the best cornerback in the uh, with the Giants? I'm blanking on his name. Janoris, Janoris Jenkins, right? He was at Alabama uh, State. Went to North Alabama. Oh, okay, well, never mind. Scratch that. Scratch that's that. Right. So. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, I don't see Ed Waters hanging with, with Alabama State, so I'm going to go with Alabama State. Sure. And uh, Florida Tech ended their season last this past weekend uh, with a five and six record. Uh, Stetson also ended their season with a two and nine record. Weber International ended their season with a five and four record. Warner University ended with a four and six record, and Ave Maria ended also uh, with a two and eight record. Uh, for the season, uh, congrats to all their programs there, and they've had a good uh, or a good fall, and um, hopefully they'll get on track, and some of these guys will get some more wins next year, and get out. Now it's time to start and get out recruiting. Uh, for anybody who's listening, uh, we have a lot of callers calling in. The number again is six five seven three eight three one six eight four. Again, three excuse me six five seven three eight three one six eight four. And uh, now let's move on, Doc. As always, we're going to do our uh, senior spotlight this week. And uh, last year we have Braxton Berrios. This year's senior spotlight is going to go to Shaquem Griffin, linebacker at UCF. Uh, 2007 preseason Bednarik Award watch list. This year he's third on the team in tackles with 44. He's first on the team with six and a half tackles for loss. Uh, He's also added three sacks, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Uh, and also six quarterback hurries. The 6'2", 229-pound linebacker 
from St. Petersburg has been getting a lot of attention from NFL scouts because of his athleticism and his ability to rush the passer. He's doing all this, Doc, with one hand. Yes, one hand. His hand has it was a casualty of amniotic hand syndrome, uh, which occurs in about one in every 1,200 births. Doc, can you tell me about uh, amniotic hand syndrome? It's actually uh, amniotic band syndrome, and you get these bands of tissue uh, in, in you know while in, in while you're in the uterus that can um, almost like a, r- a rubber band placed around your you know you know your kid you take a rubber band and put it around your wrist and your parents parents would say don't go to sleep with that you could lose blood supply uh, that 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 can happen to some some babies as they develop and you get these bands of tissue that prevent the blood flow to your extremities. Um, and, and you can lose that extremity. So uh, it's, it's quite remarkable that he's been able to, to be this successful uh, with that kind of, um, you know, with that kind of injury or that kind of uh, birth defect. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of defensive uh, line guys can play with injured hands. You see a lot of players with clubs and casts uh, playing. Obviously we know about Jason Pierre-Paul uh, basically lost all of his fingers in a firework accident, so it can be done, but Nonetheless, this, this is quite a feat for the young man to be this successful, uh, given his uh, birth defect. And no doubt, it's not even slowed him down uh, a bit, actually. He's wreaking havoc on all opposing offenses every week. He's a tough kid, plays hard, a uh, phenomenal tackler. In fact, he has a twin brother, Doc Shaquille Griffin, uh, who was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks last season. Uh, Shaquem uh, is hoping to follow in his twin brother's footsteps. And uh, right now I got him as a seventh-round pick uh, to an undrafted free agent signing. Uh, but with a good pro day, anything can happen. Uh, he's a good kid, and, and uh, I hope he gets and, and does well and gets what he deserves uh, for fighting it out. Uh, yeah, certainly Doc, wish, wishing the best of luck there with that uh, yeah, with continued success. Doc, you've seen it before, too. A good pro day, as we mentioned, can do a lot of things for a lot of people, wouldn't you think? Uh, no question, no question. I mean, I, I know you you go to most of those, uh, you know, you, around the state and 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 then have seen that uh, with your own eyes. But you know, you can take players who are unknown or, um, you know, who are kind of uh, diamonds in the rough, and, and a good pro day can really open up some eyes and 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 get them drafted. Um, you know, there are certainly a handful of players in the NFL right now who barely played during their time in college, and then they had a good pro day, showed that they had some. Uh, uh, innate athletic ability, and then they get drafted uh, and do very well. I mean, look at you know, name look at players like Quentin Dunbar, starting cornerback for the Washington Redskins. He was a wide receiver at the University of Florida. Had a tremendous pro day. Uh, opened some eyes. He was. They took a shot at him, uh, drafted him, switched him to cornerback, and now is a starting cornerback uh, in the NFL. So you hear these stories all the time. Definitely, and you know, again, like you said, diamonds in the rough. You know, anytime you can find a kid. Uh, at a pro day, you know, sometimes what they do in a game is not uh, indicative of how they actually can play, and they just need an opportunity to showcase their skills. Not everybody gets invited to the combine in Indianapolis, so going to your pro day and uh, doing well um, is definitely uh, something that can help these kids every year. Uh, once again, we want to thank our sponsor. Uh, this week was Zeno's uh, Boardwalk Sweet Shop here. And just give opportunity for, for the doc to play his music. I know he loves it. Uh, but Zeno's Boardwalk Seat Shop uh, has everything from chocolate to homemade ice cream. And uh, let's not forget their world-famous taffy with over 100 flavors on hand. With Christmas right around the corner, what better gift to send your friends and family in negative temperatures than sweets from the beach? 
Zeno's factory is located at 2300 South Ridgewood Avenue in South Daytona, Florida. Be sure to go online to www.worldsmostfamoustaffy.com and place your orders today. Well, Doc, we've come to another episode. Time to time to get our victory formation together. Uh, did you have a good time? I did, I did. This was uh, another good week here, and uh, appreciate uh, everybody listening. Please tell your friends. Uh, love to get more people listening, more callers, uh, answer your questions. Uh, T-Bone from T-Town, um, you know, appreciate you calling in, and uh, good luck uh, with the Iron Bowl here in a few weeks. Auburn looks tough. <laughs> no doubt about it. Again, like the doc says, we want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, this is 3 and Out on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, we just want to say thank you to everyone and look forward to seeing you and hearing from you next Sunday, uh, November 19th at 9 p- or excuse me, at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. From, uh, from the doc and myself, Sammy G, have a great night and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks a lot. Peace. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 